It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Saturday, May 15th, as we look to preview UFC 262 Oliveira versus Chandler, which will take place uh, later tonight. Uh, Always great to be back with you guys. Uh, very, very big show today. A lot going on. Major pay-per-view. Uh, you know, the, the main card showdown is back. I mean, there's just a lot to get to, you know. I said there was a lot to get to on the last show. I was kind of lying, but today, uh, there's a lot to get to. We got a lot of changes in the uh, North Star Sports UFC ranking, so we'll, we'll take a look at that at some point. Um, a lot of random, actually not really random shuffles, just we removed some fighters due to inactivity. Uh, in a couple of divisions, so, uh, you know, sometimes that slips by you, um, you know, you, you put you put people in the rankings, and you just kind of leave them there, and then, you know, you realize, oh, shit, they haven't won in fucking two and a half years, it's time to, time to remove them, you know, that's something that the UFC is uh, not very good at, they'll remove Leon Edwards for, uh, for no fucking reason uh, from the rankings, and then they'll have, you know, Nate Diaz in their rankings for, uh, you know, fucking three years without having a fight. So, you know, try to have uh, better rankings than the UFC. Um, but, uh, yeah, like always, we'll, we'll start with the housekeeping. Obviously, the main card showdown. I think we are on, is it NSS 40 already? Damn, the, the main card showdown is just flying by. Uh, we're almost at the one-year anniversary of uh, the main card showdown in, uh, I think, less than two months. Uh, it is NSS 40, so, uh, shit, we are just fucking flying by, uh, obviously I beat, uh, Gary Gooseman, Stormin' Gary Gooseman, uh, last week, that was my, uh, surprise, uh, guest, uh, but, you know, he, he is here to stay, he is here to stay, uh, he's still in the top three of the rankings, but, uh, yeah, not, re- not really close, I didn't knock him out, but I beat him by five points, so, pretty much as big of a victory as you can get while it, it, it still go, while it's still going to a decision, um, it's going to be me and uh, the locomotive. You know, he had a nice win over uh, Captain, knocked him out in the rematch. They drew each other uh, the, the the week before. So, you know, that's whatever. You know, I'm, I'm kind of expecting to lose to Drew. You know, uh, obviously I'm going to make better picks than him, but, you know, karma's going to get me at some point. Like, how am I, what is it, I've won 15 of my last 16 or something ridiculous. Uh, you know, somebody's got to beat me at some point, so... You know, or, or maybe not. Maybe I just never lose. That's also a distinct possibility. But uh, it will be me and Drew, the rest of the card. Who fucking knows? I have no fucking idea until an hour before uh, the, the main card because getting people's picks is a fucking nightmare. But, uh, yeah. Oh, we will have the debut of Moobs, uh, another squirrel, obviously. But we'll have Moobs in there. I don't know who we'll debut against. Maybe Captain. Maybe Reagan. Uh, we'll, we'll figure that out. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll have a good uh, main card showdown here later this evening. Uh, I did want to get to a couple of the changes we made in the rankings. Uh, I could have swore I just had that pulled up, but uh, 
you know, when you have an HP computer, sometimes you, you think you did something and uh, you didn't. But uh, we were a little behind on our uh, rankings. I missed a couple of weeks, but I updated them uh, the best I could. Uh, obviously, they were fucking late, but, you know, it's kind of like homework. Better better late than ever. So, uh, let's see here. Yeah, a lot of changes in the welterweight division. Uh, obviously, we, we didn't do a recap show for last week's show. I've been very fucking busy, and uh, that show kind of sucked anyway, so... I don't know. I don't like getting into into a habit of skipping recap shows. Uh, that's definitely going to stop. But you know, it just didn't make sense with my schedule. But uh, yeah, a lot a lot of changes. Obviously, we had Neil Magny beating uh, Jeff Neal, so he gets moved from eleven to nine. Uh, Woodley stays at ten. Bilal Muhammad goes from twelve to eleven. Sean Brady takes a jump from fifteen to twelve. I don't feel good about that, but the like 10 through 20 in the welterweight division is just so fucking so, so weird somebody you know we, we, we need it to stratify it's it's just kind of a jumbled mess but looking at the other people on there yeah sean brady is going to be 12 jeff neal even though he loses actually stays at 13 uh lee jin liang uh comes in from being not ranked to 14 and daniel rodriguez goes from not ranked to 15 and the two fighters that are leaving the division rankings are uh, we had nate diaz at nine i have no fucking clue like it's weird because I, I i do take pride in these rankings and i do like put a lot of effort into it but i don't know how that one slipped past me again it's just one of those things where you're like oh yeah he really hasn't won that fucking much in the last like two and a half years so he's gone uh and we had muslim salikov at 14 he's now to, uh, being not ranked he was just kind of in there because it was a very shallow uh, division from from 10 to 15 really 10 to 20 um, so he, he's out uh, again you can check these out at northstarsports.media uh, in our blog section but uh, yeah just just a lot of a lot of changes there uh, I, I still don't feel great about it but I think this is more accurate you know you like to reward activity these are active fighters uh, in there but you know kind of a jumbled mess there uh, had a lot of changes in the lightweight division, and we'll have a lot of a lot of changes here uh, tonight. Obviously, with uh, the the main and co-main being in the lightweight division, but uh, we uh, so basically we moved Ally Quinta to uh, the the unranked because I was looking at his fucking record. He hasn't won since like 2018. It's like it's been like two and a half years since since he's won a fight. So that can't happen. Move him to not ranked. Um, Benil Dariush goes from 12 to 10. Islam Makachev from 13 to 11. Kevin Lee from 11 to 12. Uh, Gregor Gillespie from 15 to 13 uh, because he beat uh, Diego, Carlos Diego Fajeda. Grant Dawson from not ranked to uh, 14. And uh, Carlos Diego Fajeda from 14 to 15. So... I don't know. Again, I, I feel I feel a lot better uh, with that order than I did, you know, the the, the previous week's order. Um, but you know, just some reshuffling. You know, you, you can't have somebody in the rankings who hasn't fucking won since, you know, the year two thousand. And um, yeah, that was all we had for random shuffles. Uh, some changes in the uh, women's strawweight division because of the uh, the main event just moved Michelle Waterson down a spot, flip-flopped her with uh, Claudia Gedalia. Um, yeah, but that, boy, that was one boring fucking main event last week. I mean, 
not exactly uh, a thrilling fight. Uh, really hope to never see Michelle Watterson uh, fight in a main or co-main, really on the main card of anything, to be honest with you. But uh, I don't know. The, the UFC definitely picks their favorites, so I, I have a feeling we'll see more of uh, Michelle Watterson. Um, yeah, with that, that's all the, the housekeeping we have to get to so we can get right into this uh, preview here of UFC 262 Oliveira versus Chandler. And uh, I feel like I should start at the at the top here with a couple of uh, canceled bouts. Obviously, this was supposed to be co-main evented by Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz. Um, that's a that's a pretty big loss, you know. Not that I don't like the Ferguson and Dariush fight, and obviously I'll save my thoughts for for later. But man, that's fucking. I don't really like the matchmaking because I don't understand Leon not facing other top guys. Um, but that's big for Nate Diaz fans. And obviously it's rescheduled for, I think, a month from now at UFC 263. But holy shit, does that put Nate Diaz right back at the top of the fucking division? Like, he, if Nate Diaz beats Leon Edwards, he gets a title shot because people are fans of Nate Diaz, even though he's dumb as a fucking bag of rocks. Um, but, uh, you know, if he beats Edwards, I guarantee he gets a title shot. And then he'll get smoked. He'll absolutely get smoked. He'll get... 10-7 for three rounds by Kamaru Usman. The ref will stop the fight, and then Nate Diaz will complain uh, on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, no, that, that would have been a good fight. We also had uh, Hermanson. He was supposed to take on Edmund Shabazian. You know, that's uh, that's another uh, interesting matchup for uh, uh, Shabazian. I don't, I don't understand how you lose to uh, Brunson, and then you face somebody higher-ranked than Brunson, at least at the, at the time, Brunson was probably like the number eight fighter. Obviously now he's like number four, or number five, but at the time he was like number eight, and I think her Manson's like six or seven. So I don't know how the fuck that works. I don't like that at all for Shabazi, and not that we have to, not that we have to treat this like boxing, where oh our prized prospect lost, let's let's give him ten fucking tune-up fights in a row. But I think it's. Like, you're really sending them to the wolves there with Hermanson. Like, I know Vittori slipped one past him and, and, and stuff like that, but, like, I don't know, man. I might, I might, it, it's not, it's not a tune-up fight, but hey, how about we put Edmund, how about Edmund fight somebody at his level? Like, let's not, let's not have him fight up after a loss. You know, there's, there's plenty of, uh, you know, other, other more appropriate matchups for, for Edmund than that. Um, but obviously, we're not going to dwell on that too much because it's a uh, canceled bout here. Um, so we'll get right to the prelim opener. It's going to be in the lightweight division between Sean Soriano and Christos Yagos. Soriano is 14 and 6. Yagos is 18 and 8. Uh, we'll take a look here at the odds coming from Odds Shark. And Yagos will be the minus 210 favorite. Um, to be expected, to be expected. Uh, this, obviously, Soriano, uh, former UFC veteran, uh, spent uh, a handful of years now uh, outside of the UFC, gets his uh, chance uh, at uh, a little bit of redemption here, uh, teammate of uh, Michael Chandler. Um, I'm surprised the odds are that close. I mean, I guess minus 210 would be a moderate favorite. Um, obviously going to go with uh, Christos Yagos here. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of think he's a little bit of an underrated uh, fighter, a little bit of an underrated uh, striker. Again, it's like it, it's one of those things where 
you fall into the trap of, of looking at somebody's losses and, and not their wins. But and I think sometimes that's foolhardy. But honestly, for, for somebody who's like a million miles from the top 15, sometimes that's what you have to go off of. You know, he lost to Charles Oliveira. He lost to Dracar Close. But uh, again, it's it's looking at where a fighter is. I mean, uh, Yagos has been pretty fucking leveled off. Like, we kind of know where he is through five UFC appearances. Like, he's not better than Oliveira. He's not better than Close. But hey, he'll beat uh, Hiroto, uh, Demir Hadzevich, Carlton Minus. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of know what level he's at. And for Soriano to come back to the UFC, you know, I think there's a little bit of an advantage because he's not making his debut. Uh, you know, he, he's got that out of the way. But again, uh, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's a reason he was outside of the UFC. Uh, even, even his record outside of the UFC is not even really that pretty. Uh, you know, he's on a three-fight winning streak. Uh, but again, he's doing this in CES MMA and uh, CFFC. Uh, I've heard of CES. I've never heard of CFFC. Uh, he did get a first-round knockout over Noad Lahat, uh, if that's how you say that. I, I remember that name from Bellator, so, you know, it, it, at least that's a halfway decent name. But I, I, to be honest, I really just don't know a whole lot about Soriano. So, again, it's tough to go for uh, for somebody that you, you've never seen. I've seen Yagos. There's things to like. Uh, with his striking, and uh, you know, I, I think he'll win this one. I, I don't think this one. I don't think this one will go to a decision. So I suppose I'll go Yagos by uh, third round knockout. Not that it really fucking matters because uh, you know this, it's just the prelims, baby. All right, moving on here uh, on the prelims, we are in the featherweight division for a fight between Kevin Aguilar and Tucker Lutz. Aguilar is 17-4, Lutz is 11-1. and one. Uh, The odds for this one are going to have... No odds, I guess. Oh, there we go. Uh, they were hitting on me. Uh, Tucker Lutz is going to be the minus 120 favorite. Um, yeah, this this one's a, a bit of a, a, a pick Um Aguilar highly touted guy i believe he was champ over in lfa or uh, fuck maybe it was called rfa uh back at the uh, back in the day back in the day a few years ago but um i don't know just really hasn't lived up to uh expectations here in in the ufc uh, i believe he's riding a two fight three fight losing streak uh lost to ige uh takugov and uh, a split decision loss to charles rosa so I mean, you look at some of the cuts the UFC is, is making. Um, you know, they cut the last guy who he had a victory over, Enrique Barzola. Um, you know, it's it's not crazy to think if you lose four in a row in the UFC that you're going to get your ass cut. So, you know, and again, you lose to somebody making their UFC debut, and nothing against Tucker Lutz. I think he's a, a good fighter, and I actually think, you know, he, he can make some waves here. I'll get to him in a second. But, you know, you lose to Tucker Lutz, you're, you're, you're probably uh, out of the UFC. Um, which, again, is a little unfortunate. Came in at uh, uh, off the Contender Series. You know, at one point he was 17-1. and one. You know, he knocked out uh, Tan Lee, who's now champ over in 1FC, who was on uh, uh, the season of the Ultimate Fighter that was coached by Faber and uh, McGregor. Rick Glenn, uh, you know, 
UFC veteran. You know, he's got a pretty shiny record uh, as well. Damon Jackson, we've seen him in uh, Bellator. We've seen him in, um, God damn it, uh, the PFL. Uh, so, I don't know. He, he, he can do it, but I don't know. It hasn't really been going his way. I mean, Charles Rosa basically came off the couch for that one. I mean, he was basically been retired the last four years. And uh, Tucker Lutz um, making his UFC debut, but uh, not really, though. I mean, <laughs> we saw him twice on the Contender Series in 2020. Had a, a unanimous decision victory over Chase Gibson. They brought him back because they wanted to see more. Uh, he beat Sherrod Blackledge. Um, so, I mean, really, we'll count those as, as half of a UFC fight. So, really, he's he's in his second UFC appearance here. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there 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 is... I mean, it's another level to go from the Contender Series, um, you know, to a, a sold-out arena in the, you know, at the Toyota Center uh, with the UFC proper. But, you know, he's he's had a couple of test runs here on the Contender Series. And, uh, you know, I, I've liked him. He's, he's a little, um, he's a little uh, short and stocky, um, although he's actually going to be taller than uh, um, Aguilar. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, li- I like his striking. He, he seems like a powerful striker. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Tucker Lutz to win this one by decision. I don't, I don't think he finishes uh, Aguilar. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I like uh, Tucker Lutz to win this one. All right, moving on. We got a female fight here in the flyweight division between Gina Mazzani and Priscilla Cashueta. Mazzani is 7-4. and Cashueta is 9-3. and uh, We'll take a look here at the odds, and they will have Mazzani as the minus 220 favorite. Automatically, I'm going. this fight's going to a decision. I'll never pick a female fight outside of a handful of fighters to not go to a decision. Um, not that not that finishes don't happen, but I just don't, I don't really pick them unless I know that that person is definitively a finisher. Um... I really have nothing to fucking say about this one. I'm just going to pick Gina Mazzani by by decision. Two very low-level UFC fighters. Uh, Cachuera, known for uh, the the just gang initiation beating she got from Shevchenko. I don't know how that one was ever put together. That is so brutal. Uh, I think that was the last... Was that Mario Yamasaki? Was that his last fucking... That might have been the last fight he refed in the UFC. Uh, but yeah, fuck hard to go for somebody who's had that hap- happen to them. But obviously, you know, that's the best fighter, the best female fighter. I mean, people say Amanda Nunes is the best female fighter. Oh, she's she's got two belts. Yeah, she's got one belt and then a made up belt. So, okay. Like that that's like that's like <laughs> that's like Valentina Shevchenko being the flyweight champion, and then you create a hundred and twenty seven pound belt uh, that only has two fighters who are you know, below regional level talent, and then just having her win that one as well, and it's like, wow, Shevchenko, two two division champion. Yeah, I guess, I guess technically, technically. So disregard anything Amanda Nunes does at featherweight, except for the cyborg fight. I I, I will say, obviously, cyborg, great fighter, but outside of that, fucking, oh, I, I, it makes me want to vomit when I look at that sham of a division. Um, yeah. Moving on, moving on. I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, moving on here. 
Still in the uh, women's flyweight division, we'll have a fight here between Andrea KGB Lee and Antonina Shevchenko. Speaking of Shevchenkos, uh, Lee is going to be 11 and 5, Shevchenko 9 and 2. Uh, we'll take a look here at uh, the rankings for this division. I always love uh, female rankings because I seem to differ from the UFC heavily on uh, rankings uh, on, on the female side of things. Uh, Andrea Lee, we have her at 15, and we have Shevchenko not even ranked because why? Um, let me see here. I want to see where they have those two fighters ranked. They have Shevchenko at 12, which is fucking insane, and they have Andrea Lee at 11. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you do that. I don't. I'm not gonna die on this hill because I just don't give a shit that much. But you know, because these divisions are so shallow, and you know, they're still growing. They're still growing. You know, we're we're in the year 1997 for uh, the, the female divisions. You know, when you look at the timelines for uh, probably not even 1997. What was it? 2017, four years? No, 1997. Okay, I had it exactly correct. But you know, this is the equivalent of the the, the UFC middleweight division in fucking 1997. So I don't, you know, I don't get too up in arms about it. It's still, it's still growing. But that's fucking insane. So they have Shevchenko at 12. Okay, she has a win over Gian Kim, a loss to Mataferi, a win to Putalova a loss to Chukagian, and a win over Ariane Lipsky. None of those fighters that she beat are ranked. So she's 3-2 and two in the UFC, never beat a ranked fighter, and she's 12. How the fuck that happens, I have no idea. Uh, just makes no sense. And then for Andrea Lee, I understand if you want to have her ranked, but again, we have her at 15 and they have her at 11. And like, you know, four spots is four spots, but ah, it's kind of a big difference. And she's lost... Uh, she's lost three fights in a row, albeit two of them were split decisions, and I probably would have given her... Actually, I think I would have given her both fights, honestly. I know I gave her the Calderwood fight. I can't remember if I gave her the Murphy fight. But either way, three straight losses to Calderwood, Murphy, and Mataferi. Uh, so she's 3-3 three and three in the UFC, and her three wins are over Veronica Macedo, Ashley Evans-Smith, and Montana De La Rosa, who De La Rosa might have been ranked... We don't we don't have De La Rosa ranked either because she has again well I'm not gonna get into it but um, yeah so I don't I don't get how that happens but whatever both these fighters are probably a win away from well actually not actually not uh, Antonina since uh, she's probably not gonna fight her sister but you know that's how sad the flyweight division is is you know a win from Andrea Lee and she's you know right back in the in the thick of things. Um, but I actually like this matchup. Uh, I think stylistically, it's it's going to be a good one. They're both sh- strikers. Uh, they're you know they're both kickboxers. So you know we're really going to get down to the bottom of uh, who's the better striker. Um, I'd like to know who shoots first, um, because that that's probably going to tell you a lot about uh, you know who that person thinks is the better striker. Um, boy, this is tough. I'm going to go with Andrea Lee. Um, Both of these fighters have never really beaten anybody who was remotely good, but we have seen Shevchenko lose, and we've seen Lee probably get screwed on one of those fights, really close on the other two. So, you know, Andrea Lee, every every single fight she's in, even if she loses it, it, it's pretty competitive. Um, 
So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, nit nitpick that and and go with Andrea Lee based on uh, uh, you know her her uh, prior uh, effort in in performances. And obviously she's a, a good striker. She's gonna have a two and a half inch reach advantage. Shevchenko is gonna have a four inch leg advantage. Uh, leg reach advantage, so that's that's a little interesting, especially in what's probably going to be a kickboxing match. Um, but you know, both of these fighters do land uh, significantly more strikes than they absorb. They both have good defense percentage-wise. It's not even close. Andrea Lee has has much better uh, significant strikes defense, sixty-five percent compared to Shevchenko's fifty-four. Sixty-five percent is pretty fucking good for anybody, male male or female. Sixty-five percent. Significant strike defense is, is pretty fucking good. So I like this one to go to a decision. That's probably why Andrea Lee has gone to so many decisions is her defense is really fucking good. She doesn't get hurt. You know what I mean? So she might get outworked numbers-wise. But, uh, you know, I, I just kind of see this one being uh, a technical striking battle. Uh, Andrea, Andrea Lee definitely uh, likes to grapple a, a, a little bit more. So maybe she'll be the one to shoot. But, uh, you know, I don't know if she will because I think she might get the better of Shevchenko striking-wise. And then that really sets her up nicely because you've beaten the champion's sister. Now, obviously, she's gonna, she's still going to be a million miles away from the, the title fight. But, you know, you got that little you got that little wild card in your back pocket. Like, hey, I, I beat your... You know, it, it's a tiebreaker. Like, you know, say she, say she beats Shevchenko and she gets a win over Cynthia Calvillo... And then it comes down. It comes time for Valentina to fight either Lauren Murphy or Andrea Lee. Well, Murphy beat Andrea Lee, but they're both ranked, you know, two and three or whatever the fuck they're ranked, you know, at this point in this hypothetical. But Andrea Lee beat your sister, so you know it's just a little wild card to have in, in your back pocket. All right, moving on here. Uh, still on the prelims. We have a fight in the middleweight division between Jamie Pickett and Jordan Wright. Pickett is 11 and 5. Wright is 11 and 1. Uh, we'll take a look here at the odds. And uh, Pickett's going to be the minus 115 favorite. Uh, obviously, neither of these fighters are uh, ranked. Um, interesting little uh, crossroads for these two fighters. Two uh, unique nicknames, the Beverly Hills Ninja versus the Night Wolf. Uh, I wouldn't say they're good nicknames, but, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely definitely unique. Um, yeah, but again, two, two interesting uh, uh, fighters at, uh, at different points in their career, but both, both really needing uh, a win here. So Jamie Pickett, we saw him three times on the Contender Series, lost the first two times, uh, came back and got a knockout the third time around, and then lost to Tafan and Chukwi, who just got fucking absolutely smoked by, uh, oh, what was his name? I don't want to say something insensitive. John Young Park. Okay. I don't, I don't want to, I don't like getting people's names wrong if I don't know exactly what uh, what it is. It's a recipe for a disaster there. Uh, so, I mean, MMA math is not always, uh, <laughs> you know, correct. But uh, boy, that looks real bad for for Jamie Pickett. That losing to Tafan and Chukwi the way Inchukwi lost to to Park. Um, a very powerful guy, you know, just just a powerful striker. Had that twenty punch combination on uh, Jonathan Pati. Um, you know, def- definitely likes to win by knockout. And then Jordan Wright, 
you know, a lot, a lot of people had this guy pretty highly, highly touted and then came in and got knocked out badly by uh, Joaquin Buckley. Um, so two fighters coming off of losses here. I'm, I'm just going to go with Jordan Wright. I just think Jordan Wright is the more talented fighter. I mean, we've seen Jamie Knight or uh, uh, Jamie Pickett really, really struggle to even get to the UFC. Okay, then he loses. I mean, you know, it's always tough to come off of a, a knockout. That was half a year ago. It was six months ago. So, you know, it's not like he's coming back two months later. Uh, I, I like Jordan Wright to uh, to win this one. And I, I guess I'll go by... Uh, well, actually, he finishes a lot of he finishes a lot of fights by uh, first round knockout. I'll go. I'll go. No, oh, fuck it. I will go first round knockout. I think Jordan Knight's gonna win by first round knockout on uh, Jamie Pickett. I just, I just don't think Pickett's uh, that good of a fighter. All right, moving on here to uh, almost almost the prelim headliner. There's a lot of prelim fights here. I'm surprised it's only a five fight main card and they didn't make it six fights. Uh, but we're on the prelim co-main event. Uh, if that's a thing here in the featherweight division between Mike Grundy and Groovy Lando Venata, Grundy is 12 and two. Venata is 11, five and two. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds, and Mike Grundy is going to be the minus 120 favorite. Um, interesting fight stylistically. Obviously, Mike Grundy's known as a, a pretty high-level wrestler. Um, Venata definitely, definitely known more as a, a striker. Now Grundy's going to have a, a slight reach advantage. Um, this fight is taking place at 145. Now Venata is usually a 155er, so that's a little bit interesting. It's not like he's, it's not like he's massive for lightweight, but he is coming down uh, a, a weight class. You know, he's entering Grundy's weight class. Um, Man, this one's... It's always tough to, to pick a Lando Venata fight because um, you know he's going to bring it. You know the fight's going to be close, but you really... There's no rhyme or reason to, to whether or not he wins or, or loses. You know, he's just a guy who, who fights to the level of his competition, and then it's just a coin flip whether or not he wins or loses. I mean, quite literally. I mean, you look at his fucking resume, it's just red and green, red and green, red and green, a couple of fucking draws in there. I mean, th- I mean, that really shows you how he fights to his to the, to the level of his competition. I mean, he'll fight up, he'll fight down, but uh, pretty pretty fucking hard to pick of a not a fight. You know, he'll have a he'll he'll fight up to the level of a Tony Ferguson, albeit he did get choked out in that one. You know, he'll have a, a, a spectacular knockout of uh, John McDessie. He'll he'll you know beat a Yancey Medeiros, but you know he'll lose to a, a David Tamer. Like, like David Tamer, you lost to David Tamer. He'll go to a draw with uh, Matt Frivola. I mean, it's it's pretty fucking weird. It is a coin flip. Uh, I wish I I wish I had a coin because I, I actually would flip it. Um, I'm gonna go with Grundy. I don't like the fact that Venata's going down to 145. I just don't like. I don't like that. I mean, it, it took you this long to figure out you're a 145er. I just don't. I don't know. I, I feel like if you could have done that safely, you would have already done that by now. Uh, given you know your your record is not very good, um, so I think Grundy probably takes him down, wrestles him a little bit. It will be the toughest fight of Mike Grundy's career to this point, no doubt. Um, but he's you know he's got pretty good striking defense uh, when you look at the numbers. But again, you know he's he's 
had two fights in the UFC, so uh, you know it's not like there's a, a wide uh, breadth of experience. But uh, lost his last fight to Movsar Evloev. He's a pretty tough fighter. I, I don't look into that too much. So uh, definitely, definitely taking this one to go to the uh, the final bell here, and we'll go. Mike Grundy by split decision. I don't normally pick split decisions, but I think Grundy's going to win by split decision because this uh, will be a tough, tough fight for him. All right, moving on here to the prelim headliner in the middleweight division between uh, Ronaldo Jacare Souza and Andre Muniz. Souza is 26 and 9, Muniz is 20 and 4. Uh, looking at the odds here, Jacare will be the slight minus 130 favorite. Uh, we do not have Jacare ranked, although wouldn't surprise me if the UFC had him ranked, uh, and they don't. So, all right. Fair enough. I wouldn't, Obviously, I don't rank him, so uh, I, I, I would agree with uh, the UFC on this one. Uh, right off the bat, uh, Moon is half a foot reach advantage. He's going to have six inches of, of a reach advantage. Jacare, I mean, known for his short fucking arms. I mean, Jacare has the arms of a of a bantamweight. He's got a 72-inch reach. That is fucking really, really short. Really short. But obviously a very, I mean, one of the most credentialed fucking BJJ practitioners uh, to, to ever set foot in the octagon. Probably right behind, uh, probably right behind Damian Maya, to be honest with you. I think you got to give Maya that distinction, but, uh, you know, Jacare, man, he's up there in age, man. He's he's 41 and coming off of a, a, a knockout from uh, Kevin Holland, and you know coming off of three straight losses. You know his last win came over uh, Chris Weidman back at UFC 230 in uh, November of 2018. But this is this is a notable step down in competition. I, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way against Andre Muniz because obviously he still has plenty of his plenty of his career to go. To, to change that but you know as it stands right now you know you, you, like you look at Jacare you, lo- you look at the, the resume of Jacare win or loss dude's been fighting the toughest fucking people in the UFC for a long time now you know Yoel Romero Belfort Whitaker Brunson Gastelum Weidman Hermanson Jan Blahovich, uh even Kevin Holland so it's like yeah, I'm not saying this is going to be an easy fight for him because he is an old man but uh, you know, he probably hasn't had a fight at this level since he fought Chris Camozzi back in 2015. Um, major, major opportunity here for Andre Muniz. You know, you beat Jacare, you're right on the doorstep of, of the rankings at 185. That's just going to be how it goes. You know, you beat uh, a credentialed UFC veteran and, uh, you know, you're, you're, people are going to take notice. I mean, people love Jacare. Uh, people really do. So, uh, you know, if you beat him, that's that's more than a feather in your cap. That's just strapping a fucking rocket booster to your back uh, when it comes to trying to climb uh, the, the the rankings here at 185. Uh, 2-0 in the UFC, 2-0 on the Contender Series. Uh, had a, a, a submission of Bartos Fabinski back in uh, September. Again, this is a, as much of a step down in competition looking uh, looking on paper obviously that's why that's why the fight's going to happen we're going to get down to the bottom of this so I can say whatever I want right now but obviously we're going to get to the bottom of it so you know if I'm wrong I'm wrong or I'm not even really claiming anything I'm just saying when you look at paper right now that's what it is 
fucking huge step up in competition uh, for Andre Muniz. Um, he's got a lot of chokes uh, on his record as well, but I don't know, man. Uh, uh, again, you know, if this was Jacare against Gastelum or Shabazian or anybody in the top 15, I'd probably go with that with with somebody other than Jacare. But when you when you're fighting a guy like Andre Muniz, I just gotta believe that uh, Jacare is gonna win this one. And if he loses, it's probably his last fight in the UFC. Probably should be his last fight in the UFC anyway. But you know, if you're losing to guys like Andre Muniz, there's not really a whole lot of people uh, below him. Uh, at the, again, at this point in his career, you know, fucking this guy, maybe this guy's champion in two years. You never fucking know. But um, I, I just think Jacare is is a much better fighter. I mean, imagine the shit this guy knows. I mean, he might not be at his peak. Well, he's definitely not at his peak physically. Just going to go out on, on a limb and say that, given he's 41. But mentally and IQ-wise, I mean, you can't really get any smarter than, you know, being 41 and having the, the number of fights that he's had at a high level in, in many organizations. So I'm going to go Jacare by uh, round two submission. All right, moving on. We're here on the main card opener now in the featherweight division. It's going to be a battle here between Shane Burgos and Edson Barboza. Burgos is 13-2, and Barboza 21-9. and uh, we'll take a look here at the odds for this one. They're going to have Shane Burgos as the minus 155 favorite. Uh, we'll also look at the North Star Sports UFC rankings. Burgos sitting there at number 10. Edson Barboza at number 14. Uh, fucking stylistically, this one is going to be a great fight. Boxer versus uh, kickboxer. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of power here. A lot of power here. Um I like I like Burgos in this one. Uh, I do not like Edson Barboza at 145. I think that's just a fucking terrible idea. That guy is huge for 155. I think he deplete depletes himself. Now I understand why he came down to 145. You know, you want a fresh start. You know, you kind of ran the course at 155. He got pretty high. I think he was ranked as as high as number three. But you know, you run into the Kevin Lees. You run into the Khabibs. Uh, you know, the guys like this, and you just kind of realize that, uh, you know, you're, you, you've kind of maxed yourself out at 155. I'd love to see him at 170, to be honest with you, but at 145, I just don't like it, man. He looks like death. He's, he's, he's so fucking, not even skinny, man, just depleted, just depleted. There's not an ounce of fat on him. And, you know, he had, he had a fine last performance against Makwan Amir Khani. And, you know, I suppose even a fine performance against Dan Ige because it was a split decision. But, uh, you know, and I, I like Ige more than I like Burgos. But Burgos, you know, he's, he's a fucking killer as well. Um, Burgos, I think he's a little more well-rounded. I'll be curious to see if Burgos tries to take him down. Um, you know, Burgos is a, is a very, very active fighter striking-wise. And I think that's going to present a lot of opportunities for Edson to throw some crazy shit in there. Because, you know, that's something you also have to have to consider anytime you face Barboza. Uh, you, well, you don't have to be perfect for 15 minutes, but, like, you got to be pretty fucking good every single second of that 15 minutes because here's a spinning fucking wheel kick. Here's uh, some fucking crazy shit. I mean, he's got the quickest fucking kicks in the UFC. So that's that's going to be pretty, pretty, uh, 
difficult for anybody to deal with. Not that, you know, people haven't beat him because certainly they have, but you know, it's something you got to consider. Now, again, when I talk about stylistically, this is going to be a great fight. I think stylistically, it's it's a good matchup for Burgos because Burgos is a guy who's very active, lands seven significant strikes per minute, does absorb 6.1. So he is there to get hit, but he lands more than he gets hit. Uh, but he moves forward, and I think that's very important. You, you, Like Dominic Cruz was saying, like, you cannot move backwards uh, against Edson Barboza, you're just going to get fucking blasted with kicks at all three levels. Not going to not gonna go very good for you. So, you know, we've seen uh, uh, Barboza in, in the fights where people kind of walk him down. Uh, Gaethje walked him down, knocked him out. Uh, Kevin Lee walked him down, took him down a lot, beat him up. Uh, obviously, Khabib was pretty fucking aggressive uh, with Barboza as well. So, you know, if this was a counter striker, fighting Barboza. Okay. I mean, that's interesting. That's interesting. But but someone like Burgos who's going to move forward. I really like Burgos in this one. Um, it's it's pretty hard to finish Barboza. You know, I, I know I just mentioned two of the times he got finished, but Kevin Lee was pretty fucking hot. Uh, and, and Gaethje's just a knockout artist. So, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Burgos knocks him out, but I think it's just going to be a hard fought uh, unanimous decision victory for uh, her, the Hurricane Shane Burgos. All right, moving on here uh, in the women's flyweight division. I think I got the order mixed up on here, but either way, we're, we're getting to all the fights. Uh, we'll have uh, Caitlin Chukagian taking on Viviani Araujao. Chukagian is 15 and 4, Araujao is 10 and 2. Uh, looking at the odds here, Chukagian is going to be the minus 130 favorite. Um, where, to, where to begin with this one? I think where we need to begin is Caitlin Chukagian's Twitter account. Uh, just go look at her favorites. Uh, very, very, I mean, there's a lot of things I could say, but I'm not going to say any of them. But, you know, just just go to, I think it's at Blonde Fighter, uh, which is the, one of the dumbest fucking nicknames of all time. Oh, you're a blonde fighter? Oh, you, how many blonde fighters are there in the UFC? Fucking half of them? They're like, oh my god, that's so fucking stupid. Hey, it's my hair color. I'm the brunette fighter. I got brown hair. That's my unique feature. That's how That's how exciting I am, fight-wise and personality-wise, that I, I, I we just go by my hair color. <laughs> it's so fucking... I can't even... That's an all-time all-time bad nickname uh in mma and there is plenty of shitty nicknames in in mma history you know carla cookie monster esparza just fucking terrible but i think okay that might be worse than blonde fighter but fuck that's a 9.7 out of 10 that's just so fucking bad like you know a lot of people the one the one that i think was the worst for the longest time and the biggest glow up in nickname history. I mention it from time to time, um, but now, now I think it's such a bad nickname that it crosses the spectrum that it, it becomes just a fucking great nickname. Corey Anderson. He's now known as Overtime, which is a great Corey Overtime Anderson. Great fucking nickname. A plus nickname. But he used to, his nickname used to be Beastin, like N apostrophe twenty five eight. Beastin 25-8. So fucking bad. And then it just kind of grew on me. I was like, holy shit, that's so bad, it's good. 
Like, it's so fucking stupid. It's good. Like, beast in 25-8. Like, 25 hours a day, eight days a week. He's he's not, not beasting. He's beasting. So, I don't know. I think people hate that nickname. I, I hope he goes back to it. That's a fucking... That's a really good nickname the more I think about it. But, Blonde Fighter, goddamn. Yeah, but anyway, go check out her Twitter. It's fucking wild. It is wild. Um... Should, should be a good fight here uh, between these two. Uh, Chukagian obviously staying very, very active. Um, you know, she's sitting there. Well, let's see. The UFC has her at two and Araujao at seven. Let's see where we have them. Uh, two and seven. Okay, all right. We're in lockstep here with the UFC. Perfectly agree on Chukagian and Araujao. But, you know, again, Chukagian staying active. Uh, ha- got that win over Cynthia Calvillo. Uh, got knocked out in uh, round one by uh, Jessica Andraj, you know, still very, very far away from uh, a title shot, even though she's just uh, a ranking away from Shevchenko. She just got dominated. I don't think anybody wants to see her fight for the title again anytime soon. Um, so a really big chance for our Ujao to fucking, I mean, that's how the rankings work for us. If you beat the fighter, you are the fighter. If you're the number seven fighter and you beat the number two fighter, you are the number two fighter. How can I say, how can I say you beat the number two fighter and you're number four or number three? That doesn't make any fucking sense. So, Ara Ujao probably would be next in line for the the title, maybe behind Lauren Murphy. Um, uh, not in the rankings, but, you know, in, in, in the, the line for uh, the title fight. But, you know, for Chukagian, I don't know, just staying active, getting a paycheck. Uh, you know, it, it's it's probably going to be a striking battle. I would imagine that uh, Araujo probably would be the one to initiate, uh, you know, clinch situations and, uh, you know, trying to start something on the ground. Chukagian's not very good on the ground. Uh, she's five foot nine, but she doesn't really have a reach advantage on Araujo. But I still think Araujo, because she's five inches shorter, probably is going to be the one walking her down. Uh, you know, and just trying to to get the fight close. Chukagian only wins by decision, so you're not really in danger of getting hurt from her, or certainly not in danger from getting submitted. Um, Eru Ujao, uh, you know, she she packs a, a a bit of a pop. You know, obviously in her UFC debut, knocked out uh, Talita, knocked out, not even not not TKO'd, KO'd Talita Bernardo. Since then, only lost to Jessica I, but two rebound wins. You know, I think the time is right for uh, Era Ujau. Um, she does absorb more strikes than uh, than she lands. See, this is a this is a tough one to pick. I'm I'm gonna go with Caitlin Chukagian on this one. Uh, I think it's gonna be boring. I think if she can stop the takedown, she's probably fine. I think she's she's uh, the the better striker. Ara Ujau is pretty active on trying to to get uh, the takedown. Uh, Chukagian's takedown defense not very good. So if the fight is standing, a win for Chukagian. Fight goes to the ground, a loss for Chukagian. Really, that's just uh, the the recipe for any of her fights. And I, I suppose it's uh, uh, never been truer than than this matchup here with Ara Ujau. So I don't feel great about it, but we'll go Chukagian by unanimous decision. Certainly uh, over 15 minutes. All right, moving on here to the bantamweight division. We'll have a fight here between Matt Schnell and Hajerio Bontarine. Schnell is 15 and 5, Bontarine 16 and 3. Obviously, these are two ranked flyweights who uh, just didn't want to cut the weight and uh, went to 135. Uh, 
Bontarine missed weight, I think by a pound. Uh, dude loves to miss weight. I don't know what the fuck that guy does, but uh, he cuts weight like a clown. That dude, 80% of his fights, that dude's fucking missing weight, so that's crazy. Uh, Matt Schnell's at number 8, Bontarine at number 9. Should be a good fight. I want to just go right off the bat, Schnell's going to win this fight. I don't give a fuck about their record. I don't give a fuck about, you know, oh, they, they both like to finish a lot of fights. Bontarine is, dude, you fucking miss weight by a pound, a weight class up. You're Automatically, you're taking the L. That'd be some shit if he won, though, because I think he would piss a lot of people off. But, uh, you know, I, I think Schnell's probably going to win. There will be a finish in this fight. I, I pretty much can guarantee that one. These are two finishers, uh, which is kind of crazy at, at, a, at a lower weight class. But, you know, Matt Schnell has been in the UFC for uh, quite some time here. He's had, he's had quite a lot of fights uh, in, in the UFC. You know, got over that loss um, to Alexandre Pantoja. Split decision win over Tyson Nam. Uh, you know, but again, Bontarin. I, th- I think he's a talented fighter. I think he's a good fighter. You know, I liked his performance against uh, Howley and Paiva, but two straight losses, missing weight, a weight class up, that's just... He's going to lose and he's going to get cut. I, I, I really th- I really think he's going to get cut. I don't I don't think the UFC is uh, that big of a fan of Hagerio Bontarin, but um, we'll go round two. Round two knockout there for Matt Schnell. Oh, and if it matters, Matt Schnell is the minus 160 favorite. All right, moving on. We've now made it here to the co-main event of the evening uh, in the lightweight division here between Tony Ferguson and Benil Dariush. Ferguson is 25-5, and five, Dariush 24-1. and one. Uh, We'll take a look here at the odds. Dariush is going to be the minus 155 favorite. Uh, we'll look at the uh, at the uh, we'll look at the uh, North Star Sports rankings. Uh, Ferguson sitting there at number five. Dariush is sitting there at number ten. Excuse me. Um, yeah. Again, I would much rather have Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz, but I think this is a, this is a pretty good constellation prize here. I think uh, you know this this is going to be. Uh, uh, a physically demanding fight. It'll be interesting to see. You know, Ferguson's obviously used to fighting uh, five rounds. Only has to go three here. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very curious to see how Ferguson fights in in this one. Because okay, coming off of two straight losses, uh, absolute drubbings, absolute domination from Oliveira and Gaethje. It's kind of like the Woodley thing, and we saw how that went. Obviously, you know, it's not a direct comparison, but, you know, it's like, well, you know, Woodley's going to beat Covington. You know, yeah, he's he's been smoked the last 10 rounds. Okay, well, Woodley's going to beat Luke. Yeah, he's been smoked the last 15 rounds, but, you know, he'll get it done. He's the better fighter. Uh, I, I kind of feel like that's the same here with Ferguson. I know a lot of people are f- picking Ferguson because they're fans of him. I think Tony Ferguson is a fucking douche. I think that guy is a a complete douche i think his personal life is uh questionable and uh yeah i think this dude's probably got a little uh, cte i know he's a wacky guy but uh i don't know i think he's got a little uh little cte dude is also aged like milk he's aged like milk in, in in a fucking hot car the last you know fucking year 
I mean, the, those photos, those stock photos they use of Tony Ferguson on like, uh, like the UFC preview show and stuff, like just like almost fully receded hairline, gray, sucked in, just like pock marks everywhere. Uh, dude, dude looks like he's 50 years old. Um, I, I, I think he's going to lose here to Dariush. You know, you get dominated for 10 rounds in a row and you, and you change camps and you're talking about all these changes. Okay, man, that's good for you. Tony Ferguson is delusional. So anybody saying like, hey, kid, you done fucked up. I'm going to hit you real hard. Okay. Like, is that okay? Like you've been dominated for 10 rounds in a row. You've been 10-8 for 10 rounds in a row. Like, all right, I guess we'll see. You know, it's somebody who's going downhill very, very fast. He's he's like a 41-year-old uh, player in, in MLB The Show. You know, you could start off as an 84, but by the end of that season, you're going to be a 59. You know, he's just going downhill real fast. And Dariush, he's going uphill pretty fast. He's not, not he, You know, he's not... Uh, He's not going uphill as fast as Ferguson is going downhill, but you know because that is terminal velocity. T- Tony Ferguson is just falling down the rankings with with terminal velocity. But uh, you know Dariush, hey, you know he's on a fucking six fight winning streak, and you look at the guys he's beaten. You know again, they're they're not the names that Tony Ferguson was in his prime, but. Tiago Moises, that guy's making waves. Drew Dober, you know, look at the streak he went on since losing to, to Darius, and then obviously lost to Makachev, but he was, he was knocking people around for a little bit. Finished uh, Frank Camacho, had that uh, the highlight-level knockout of uh, Drakkar Close, highlight-level knockout of uh, Scott Holtzman, and then a, a, a nice win over Carlos Diego Fajeda, which was a split decision, which I disagree with. I disagree with. I think it was a unanimous decision. Pretty obvious, but whatever. So... You know, you look at a guy who, uh, and you know, this six-fight winning streak only started in November of 2018. So I, I, you know, I say he's slowly rising, but you know, not really. He's just kind of really actively climbing the rankings. You know, he's been around for a long time. He's been in the UFC since uh, 20, uh, January of 2014. He's only got a couple of losses, and you know. Uh, he's extraordinarily well-rounded. So, you know, I think if if he gets taken down by Ferguson, if he takes him down, if they want to strike, I just think that he has he has a slight advantage wherever the fight goes. I, I really believe that. I think, you know, Tony's creative. He's crazy. You know, that's a bit of an X factor. But I just think that no matter where the fight goes, Darius is just a little bit better. And... Um, yeah, you know, I, I just think he ends up winning this one, probably by unanimous decision, and you know, wouldn't wouldn't shock me if he if he ten aided him for for a round. I think just Darius is a fucking tough fighter, and, and and Tony Ferguson, he's he's just going downhill. Now again, you know, this fight is taking place in May of 2021, so a lot of people who still believe in Tony Ferguson or are fans of Tony Ferguson, like, oh, but the 12 fight winning streak. Like, oh, y'all must have forgot. Tony Ferguson had a 12-fight winning streak. Yeah, we're not talking about Tony Ferguson in fucking July of 2019. This is May of 2021. This sport changes very fast. So if we were talking about Benil Dariush fighting Tony Ferguson back in 2019, yeah, then I think that's fair to say, and I think it'd be obvious to pick Tony Ferguson. But we're not. this is not 2019. This is not 2018. You know what I mean? Like, this is not the boogeyman Tony Ferguson. This is the getting his ass beat for fucking uh, 50 minutes 
in a row, Tony Ferguson. Okay, so that matters a lot. So again, in in both of their respective primes, who wins this fight? If you want to say Tony Ferguson, I wouldn't blame you, and I'd probably be on your side. But again, like time and place, time and place, momentum, it's all on the side of of Benil Dariush. You know, a lot of experience, and he's only 31. And Tony Ferguson is 37, looks like he's 50, and, you know, has taken a fucking beating. So it, it's all about the right place and the right time. Dariush is going to win, and he's going to win over a fan favorite, a guy who was a boogeyman of a division, a guy who was a former champion uh, in the co-main event of a pay-per-view. And who knows what's next for him? Honestly, who knows? Probably be right on the doorstep of the top five, if not in the top five. Uh and, uh, you know, obviously you're still going to be behind, you know, Conor McGregor and, and Dustin Poirier. But, you know, point being, it's only up from here. You know, it, it's kind of like Oliveira. It's only up from here. So Oliveira, if you, you know, Oliveira beating Kevin Lee, it's only up from there. It's only up from there. Then it was Ferguson. You beat him. It's only up from there. Now you're fighting for the fucking title. So, you know, for Dariush, maybe a, a fighter who's a little bit forgotten because he's been around for so long, you know, and had a handful of losses, less than a handful of losses, but, you know, it, it might be his time. It, it really might be. All right, moving on here to the main event of the evening. It's for the vacant UFC lightweight championship, and it's going to be between Charles Dubronx Oliveira versus Iron Michael Chandler. Oliveira is 30-8, and eight, Chandler 22-5. and five. Uh, we'll take a look at the rankings here. We have Oliveira at three, Chandler at four, uh, same as the uh, as the UFC. Uh, Oliveira is going to be the slight minus one twenty favorite. Uh, I, again, when this when this fight was announced, I fucking loved it. I think it made sense. I don't know how anybody could hate on this fight. Uh, I think you're a, a petty a petty dunderhead if you don't like this fight well i think i think poirier should have got the title shot yeah he didn't want it he turned it down so you know what i mean these are the two top guys so anybody who's saying uh i don't think anybody really denies that Oliveira's earned it obviously you know uh submission leader in the ufc you know two high profile wins in a row you know but for chandler oh you get one fight in the ufc and 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 you get a, a a title shot uh, yeah, if somebody else turns it down and I'm the next available guy, yeah, that's how that works. Three-time Bellator champion, he's put in uh, an impressive body of work, albeit not, uh, you know, the vast majority of it not in the UFC. But you know that does matter. There's a reason why he debuted against uh, Dan Hooker. We we don't just completely disregard what somebody else did in a different organization. That's why Yuri Prohaska debuted in the top ten against Volkan Uzdemir, because. We don't just blindly put our hands in front of our eyes and go, uh, UFC newcomer, uh, let's have him, let's have uh, Michael Chandler take on Christos Yagos. Uh, no, uh, he's a three-time Bellator champion. He's beaten a lot of very good fighters. So let's have him debut in the rankings. Let's have him debut in the top 10. Let's have him debut against the number seven, Dan Hooker. So, okay. And again, it's going to be hilarious because Michael Chandler is going to win this fight so what are people going to say? If, if, if you win the title shot, how are people going to say it's too early? You fucking won it. 
So, you know what I mean? That's going to be hilarious when people have to eat crow when Chandler knocks out Oliveira, which is what is going to happen, which is what the mailman predicted. Um, you know, the mailman sees these things. And um, Chandler's just the better fighter. You know, uh, obviously, uh, Oliveira, very good on the ground, a BJJ guy. Michael Chandler, very good on the ground as well. You know, very high level, collegiate, and obviously professional uh, wrestler. Uh, or, you know, within the, the realm of MMA. Um, I, I like the stuff that Chandler was saying about his wrestling being uh, anti-BJJ. Listen, the dude's never been submitted. Now, he's going up against, you know, the guy who has the most submissions in UFC history, so maybe he's never fought somebody on the ground as credentialed and as, uh, well, good and, and his, good and in his prime as Oliveira is right now. But, like pretty tough to predict Oliveira to submit Michael Chandler like it's never fucking happened um you know Chandler has been knocked out Oliveira's striking certainly has improved uh over his last couple of fights I really think that's been the difference for Oliveira Oliveira's always been good on the ground I don't think his ground game has improved that much I just think it always was as good as it is you know or at least over the last couple of years obviously everything's improved since coming into the UFC as a 20 year old back in fucking 2011 or uh you know whenever whenever that was um but yeah the the, the striking has improved for Oliveira but Chandler's a fucking high level striker that dude has insane power that dude has the the great equalizer Oliveira doesn't have that power not to say that he can't hit hard I mean, everybody can hit hard but Chandler hits differently he, he just hits differently. You saw it in the in the hooker fight. Uh, Oliveira doesn't do super great when people uh, press him, when, when you know other fighters are coming forward. That's all Michael Chandler's going to do. All he's going to do. He's just going to come forward. Um, I, I, I really see him kind of winning just like he beat Dan Hooker. I think he just walks him down. Maybe he stuffs some takedowns. Um, you know, maybe they get into some scrambles, could be a clinch situation, you know, maybe once. But I, I just think at, at some point in this fight, Oliveira is going to land his fuck, or uh, Chandler's going to land a, a fucking left, or he's going to land a right on the chin of Oliveira, and, and he's going to get knocked out. You know, we've seen Oliveira uh, get knocked out before. Uh, you know, we, we've seen him get choked out before in, in the UFC. You know, Chandler's got a tight fucking squeeze. You know, he almost went for the, uh, uh, well, I guess that'd be a bulldog choke on, uh, no, a front bulldog choke? Really just a guillotine. He almost went for a guillotine on, uh, on Dan Hooker, decided just to punch him in the head repeatedly to stop the fight. But, you know, Chandler's five foot eight and just fucking jacked. Like, I'm sure he's got a very tight squeeze. So... Chandler winning by submission early on in the fight if he hurts him you know if he wants to take that route to beat him I think he can take that route I think I still think it's probably going to come via a TKO or or dude it could be a KO I mean this dude you know if if you're a UFC fan not a Bellator fan and you don't really know a whole lot about Michael Chandler's time in Bellator you gotta look up his fucking knockout of Patriki Pitbull that is that might be the best knockout in Bellator history just sent that mustached mustachioed goon out cold just oh smoked him just smoked him but again i i like chandler i like chandler anywhere this fight goes except for him being on his back if he was on his back to Oliveira, 
uh, then that concerns me a little bit. <laughs> you know, that, then things get interesting. But, you know, if, if Chandler's on top, I'm sure Oliveira has submissions from the bottom. But, you know, if Chandler's on top, you know, I don't really see, see him choosing to wrestle in this fight. But if he ends up on top, okay, you know, you got, t- you got the top pressure. It's a lot easier being on top than being on bottom. But really, as long as it's not on, uh, on the, as long as it's not him on the bottom, I, I really like his uh, chances wherever this fight goes. Um, I'm gonna go round. I'm gonna go round two TKO. Honestly, these guys don't fight very long, so you know, I'd be pretty surprised if this went 25 minutes. I mean, Chandler's average fight time. Uh, well, actually, fucking throw that out the window. He's had one fight, but Oliveira's average fight time is is uh, just a shade under seven minutes. So like, he he doesn't fight very fucking long. He really 10% of his fights go to a decision. So, you know, that's not really... Oh, actually, that's for his entire career. So, actually, Chandler's average fight time is, is six and a half minutes. So, like, you know, I think I think the fight will last longer than seven minutes, but probably not much longer, you know. Who knows? If they want to go out there and play fucking patty cake and, and whatever, then, you know, maybe. But, uh, again... Oliveira is not that active of a striker, so you know you you walk him down, you 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 know move forward on him. Chandler's got really fucking good takedown defense, eighty percent. So you know, I, I I don't know. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying there's not a path to victory for Oliveira. Clearly, anything can and and fucking will happen in a UFC title fight. Uh, you know, but I, I really feel confident, especially with those odds, especially with Oliveira being the slight favorite. I've obviously seen other places where Chandler's been the slight favorite. So you know, essentially, it probably just evens out to a pick It just depends on which sports book you're, you're looking at. But, uh, you know, really, really, I, I feel incredibly confident Michael Chandler winning this fight. I, I just think he's going to win. We'll go second round TKO. All right, with that, we'll wrap up uh, the show here. Uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. And you got to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. And thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs>